0: Matthew chapter twenty, verses one to sixteen. You can follow along up on the screen. How about it? I just pray before we read the Bible. We are free to read your Word um, out in the open like this. Lord, I pray that as we read this morning, um, yeah, your Word would touch our hearts and change our lives. And um, I pray particularly for Andrew as he. Um, unpacks it for us Lord I pray that we would listen with um, both our ears and our heart in Jesus name Amen So labourers in the vineyard for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire labourers for his vineyard after agreeing with the labourers for a denarius a day he sent them into his vineyard because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the labourers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go.' I choose to give this to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So, the last will be first, and the first last. I'd like to call up Andrew to bring us the message this morning.
1: Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you, uh, worshiping with you this morning. Uh, thank you for having us. Um, in our church last week we had two young people got up and did a profession of faith. Uh, and uh, I've heard that in your church too, in recent times you've had many people that have responded to the call of God and have professed their faith publicly. Uh, In our church, we're going through Matthew's gospel and in the providence of God, the passage that we had that coincided last week with our profession of faith service was this parable of the workers in the vineyard. And it's a parable that has great application for those who have responded to the call of God and have a beginning, a life uh, of service. But there's also great encouragement to all of us. However long we've been serving in the vineyard of God, uh, to, to be encouraged by this uh, by this parable, so I wanted to share it with you this morning. Uh, we will be considering you know what does it mean to serve uh, in the vineyard of God, to be in his kingdom? Uh, what does it mean to respond to that? What, what about the sacrifices that we make to do that, uh, and what about the reward? and We will consider some of these questions and more as we look through the, the passage this morning. But the message for you, whether you have been serving the Lord for one or two weeks or for 80 years, the message for you today is this. Keep your eyes on Jesus, not on everybody else, but on Jesus and to serve him with all your heart. Keep your eyes on Jesus and serve him with all your heart. But we will start where the parable starts. If you're in the kingdom, you are a worker. And speaking of work, I'm going to get the multimedia team to work very hard today. If we could please have verses 1 and 2 on the screen. Thank you. Verses 1 and 2. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire labourers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the labourers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his labourers for the vineyard and then he sends them to work in the vineyard. The Christian life is a life of Of work even earlier in Matthew's Gospel Jesus says you know come to me those of you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest and then he says and take my yoke upon you and the yoke that's that big board that people put on their shoulders to carry a heavy load now don't misunderstand what I'm saying we don't work to get into the kingdom Uh, we know from Ephesians chapter 2 you're familiar with those verses that it is by grace you have been saved through faith that it is not of works, not of ourselves, lest anyone should boast. And yet the very next verse in Ephesians 2 goes on to tell us that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. If you are in the kingdom, you are a worker. You're a worker. It's interesting that it's not the parable of the cruise ship holiday. The guy doesn't go out and say, come, come. I'm going to take you on an all expenses paid cruise around the world. It's not a, 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 although that may sound more like torment if you're like me, not so much like paradise, but if you're into that sort of thing, that's not what this is. It's not even the parable of come and profess faith and then go back into the world and live the way you've lived, no different. It's a parable of come and work in the vineyard of the Lord. If the foreman were to come and review you, how would you go? In my business, at the moment, we're doing our six-monthly performance reviews with the team. Uh, There's five people that I'm directly responsible for. I did two reviews last week and I've got three this week, a one-on-one review. If if the foreman of God's vineyard came to you and did the one-on-one review, how would you go? How are you going at working in the kingdom of God? If you're in the kingdom, you are a worker and your reward is guaranteed Your reward is guaranteed. If you look again in verse 2, it says, After agreeing with the labourers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And if we could scroll down to verse 10, please. We see the end of that first sentence there. It says, Each of them also received a denarius. They're promised a denarius. And at the end of the day, that is exactly what they get. Now, the denarius there represents eternal life. Because that's what Jesus is explaining, what he's just said to the disciples in the earlier passage. Are we able to dial back to the very last verse of chapter 19? We don't don't have chapter 19? (laughs) I'll tell you about it. Um, So Peter was asking, uh, was talking to Jesus about... he was saying about the sacrifices that he's made and Jesus says you know anyone that's left fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and houses and things like that for my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal arias the reward here is is representing eternal life and it's guaranteed everyone that came into the vineyard received it you know in uh in the federal court last month there was a case where some workers at aldi supermarket had complained that they weren't paid a fair wage Uh, And the federal court said that, yes, these workers were underpaid. What had happened is they had to come at least 15 minutes earlier before their shift started so that they could do the safety checks on the equipment and get ready so that when their shift started, they could start working. And the federal court said, well, that 15 minutes was not... They didn't do that for fun. That wasn't for their own enjoyment. That was work, and they weren't paid for it. And so now LD has to reimburse those, the workers that were affected. You don't have to worry about that in God's kingdom. The reward is guaranteed. If you come into the vineyard, you receive the denarius. You receive the gift of eternal life. You know, friends, you can trust the king. He's trustworthy. You can take him at his word. And friends, if you've been serving in the vineyard of God, if you've been working in the kingdom for many, many years, you don't need to despair. You don't need to doubt You don't need to think, this is really hard. Is this really worth it? Have I been serving for many years in vain? Friends, don't despair. Don't doubt because we can trust the king. The reward is guaranteed. And you all get a good deal. You all get a good deal. Can we have... Oh, there we go. Very good. Thank you. I will come back to that probably. But I won't tell you when. (laughs) All right. But if we could circle back, dial it back to 20 for me, please. And we'll look at verses 3 and probably verse 4. So at the end there, the last sentence. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. Thank you. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, whatever is right, I will give you. He will do what is right. And then again in 5 to 7, we won't read them, but we see again and again and again, he goes out during the day and he calls people in to the vineyard and he gives them a good deal. If we could go to verse 9, please, we see what they get. Uh, When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, "'Call the labourers and pay them their wages, uh, "'beginning with the last up to the first. "'And when those hired about the eleventh hour came,' each of them received a denarius they all got a really good deal no matter when they came no matter who they were they all received a good deal you see they didn't need a trade union the guy didn't go out and collect all these workers and they said yes we'll come but first we have to sign up to the union you know, we want to do our induction. We want to study the enterprise agreement. We want to see what the terms are. What are the penalty rates? What are the meal breaks? You know, what are my entitlements? What's the complaints procedure? They didn't do any of that. They came and they, they all got a good deal. And it's like that in the Christian life. You don't need a trade union. We all get a good deal. It doesn't matter when we come. We get a good deal. And... It, And that's, no matter when we respond, and and that's the, the application on this point is to respond, because you will get a good deal. You know, we've had that in our church, in your church recently, some people have responded and we know that they've got a life ahead, they're going to get a good deal. But there are some of you here today who have not responded, who have not responded to the call of God to come into the vineyard. And, friends, if Jesus Christ were here today in bodily form, his message to you would be to come, to come into the vineyard. And, friends, Christ is here today. He's here by his Spirit, he's here through his word. I'm here pleading with you on his behalf. His message to you is come, come into the vineyard. Come while it is still the day. Don't delay. Laurie, my wife, her mum's cousin, four days ago was driving home in her early fifties. She was hit from behind, pushed into the oncoming traffic, airlifted to the Alfred and kept alive long enough for her children to come and say goodbye. You don't know if you will have tomorrow. You don't know if you'll have next year. Friends, you don't know if we're at the ninth hour or the eleventh hour. Come while it is still the day. The Lord is pleading with you to come. Come into his vineyard. And friends, it doesn't matter who is first and who is last. It doesn't matter who is first and who is last. Have a look in the middle verse there. It says, When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the labourers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And if we get to the last verse of the parable, verse 16, please. Jesus concludes this parable by saying again, So the last will be first and the first last. And this whole parable is explaining that point. If we could go back to chapter 19, verse 30, we will see... Jesus says, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. And then he gives this parable to explain that. Now what does that mean, the first will be last and the last will be first? And there's different interpretations on that. Some of the commentaries say it's talking about Jews and Gentiles. That the Jews were first, but because of their rejection of the Messiah, they will now be last. And then the Gentiles, who were not originally first, they were last because of their acceptance of the Messiah, they will be first. But that's not what this parable is talking about. Because in the context, Jesus is not talking about Jews and Gentiles. Some people believe that it's talking about uh, comparing those who were first in the eyes of the world to those in the kingdom. Because what's happened right before this is the story about the rich young ruler that came to Christ. And he, he was first in the eyes of the world. He had great wealth, he was a ruler, and he didn't respond to the call. And so, well, in God's eyes, from an eternal perspective, maybe he's last. And these disciples who have sacrificed everything, they're last in the eyes of the world, but in God's eyes, maybe they're first. But again, I don't think that's what this parable is talking about either. Because in the parable, everybody gets the denarius. It's not comparing those that are in the kingdom to those that are out. It's comparing those that are in the kingdom. And so what does it mean to be first and to be last? What it means, what Jesus is saying is that it doesn't matter who is first and who is last. know, he's responding to Peter. Peter has just said, well, you know, we've done everything. We've left all this. We've given up so much. And Jesus says, well, everyone who's left houses, brothers, etc., they'll receive a hundred. Yes, you'll get a reward. But don't worry about who's first and who's last. You know, many who were first will be last and last will be first. God might mix things around. God might do things differently. That's not the point. The point is that you have been called graciously by God to come into his kingdom and that you're getting a good deal, you're getting more than you deserve. These people in the parable didn't have work at the start of the day and yet the the landowner goes out and gives them work and he gives them a, a good pay. It doesn't matter who's first and it doesn't matter who's last. That's not the point. We shouldn't be looking at what other people have sacrificed or not sacrificed we ought to keep our eyes on the King, on Jesus, and serve Him. Friends, if you are first, don't, don't boast about that. And don't despise those who come later. You know, if you've if you're been serving more, if you've if you're been serving longer, don't be proud. Don't be proud. And that's the next point, that you must repent of any pride. Repent of any pride and any arrogance. If we could have a look at verses 10 to 12, please, of chapter 20. First, they thought they would receive more. I like the way the CSB puts it. It says they assumed. They assumed they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying... These last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. And they assumed they would receive more. And they complain because they're looking at everybody else. You see, if they, if they had only kept their eyes on the, on the king, they would have been happy. They got what they were promised. But when they started looking at everybody else, that's when they assumed that they deserved something more than what they had been given. Peter... If we could dial it back again, please. Chapter 19. You're doing very well. I did say you would work. Oh, yeah. 26. Let's go to 26. Jesus says to them, with man, it's impossible. They've just asked a question. It was 25, I want to say. They've asked, well, who can be saved? Right at the end there. Who can be saved? And then if we could go to 26, please. Who can be saved? Jesus answers, well, it's impossible. He's just told them that you cannot save yourself. It is impossible. Because you see, these people, they're, they're not deserving of God's goodness. They're not deserving of any blessing. Because of their sin, of the wrath of God. They can't save themselves. Jesus has literally just said, it is impossible. And then look what Peter says in reply. He says, well, see, we have left everything and followed you. What, what are we going to get? He's completely missed the point. It's impossible for him to save himself. God, as Jesus has just said, that he is there in the kingdom of God, not because of his goodness, but because of God's goodness, because of God's grace and mercy. And he says, but we've left so much, what are we going to get? And so in a way, this parable is a gentle rebuke to Peter to say you're asking the wrong question. Don't look at what you've sacrificed. Keep your eyes on God. See his blessings and his mercy, friends, God does not owe you anything. God has blessed every single one of us far more than we deserve. God has given you life. Every breath that you take is a gift from God. The health that you have is a gift from God. The opportunities that you have are a gift from God. The abilities you have are a gift from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. The world that God has created and allows us to enjoy is a gift from God. And friends, if you're in the kingdom, it's even more because instead of getting eternal judgment and death and condemnation, God has sent his son into the world to die on the cross, to stand in our place so that we don't face that and instead we receive his goodness and the gift of eternal life. And Peter says, what do we get? Friends, God does not owe you anything. God does not owe me anything. We ought to, as soon as we start to look at other people, as soon as we start to think how good we are, we must repent. Yesterday at, at our church, we had our working bee, and we had a record attendance. I was there, it was the first time I had been because last Sunday I preached on this, this passage and that morning, Laurie and I were having our cup of coffee before we went to church and we were talking about the week ahead and I said, what are we going to do about this working bee on Saturday? And we decided we weren't going to go. You know, we do so much already. There's other people that can go to the working bee. And then I had to preach this passage. And so I shared with, the, with our congregation, I said, you know, the working bee's coming up. You know. I don't think other people can... Anyway, we had a record turnout. (laughs) Even I was there. (laughs) I felt convicted. Friends, as soon as we start to look at what other people are doing, we're looking in the wrong direction. Keep your eyes on Jesus and repent of any pride. Repent of any arrogance. And remember, and this is the last point and perhaps the most important, remember that we serve a generous King. You serve a generous king. Can we please have verses 13 to 15 in chapter 20? Thank you. But he replied to one of them, friend. He calls them friend. He doesn't say worker or slave. He says, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? You know, he's a good king. He goes out and gives work to those who had no work. He promises them a good deal and they get it. It's guaranteed. He calls them friend. He cares for them. He loves them. He does what is right, as we saw earlier in the chapter. We serve a generous king. You know, Many of you, I'm sure, have worked in different workplaces and you know the difference it makes of the workplace. It's not all about what you get at the end of the week. It's not about the money. It's not just about the denarius. You you might get a reasonable pay, but if your workplace is horrible, if your manager treats you poorly, if it's a toxic workplace culture, if your colleagues are horrible people, if you're working harder than you can... It doesn't really matter what you get at the end of the week. But then if you've got a workplace where your boss actually loves you and cares about you, who, who is working all things together for the good of his people, who is kind to you and compassionate and generous, and imagine if your colleagues were people who, who loved you and cared for you. you know, imagine if you went to work and you worked with all these people. Well, I don't know you. Maybe that's a bad idea. But just, just assume that all the people you worked with loved you like they loved themselves and were exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and so on. And we're, we're, were beacons of God's light. Imagine if that was your workplace. Now, Carol is a colleague of mine. She's probably thinking, I'm doing a promotion for my workplace. I'm not talking about my workplace. I'm talking about God's workplace. This is what it is to work in the vineyard of God. It's not just about the denarius. It's not just about when we die, we will inherit eternal life. We get a lifetime of serving a good and generous king who blesses us far more than we deserve, who provides for us all that we need, who is gracious and kind and loving. We enjoy the benefits of that now. We have trials, we can persevere and stand You know, friends, don't despise the thief on the cross. Don't despise him. In the last moments of his life, he responded to the call. And yes, he gets the denarius. But he's missed out on a life of serving the king. Friends, remember that you serve a generous king. And keep your eyes on on him. I started by talking about some professions of faith in our church and in your church recently. And it's such a wonderful time because for for many of these people, they're very young and they've got a whole life ahead of them. They're declaring early on that they're going to respond to the call and they're going to follow and serve in the kingdom of God. And we rejoice. We rejoice with them. Some of you here today may not have responded to that call. And the message for you then, friends, is to come. To come. Yes, it means you have to trust the king. You have to take him at his word. That's faith. Yes, it means that you have to come out of the marketplace, you have to come out of the world, you have to reject the pleasures of sin and of the things that are against God and you have to come into his vineyard. Yes, it means there will be challenges, that there will be hard work, but the blessings of coming are of eternal proportions. Friends, whether you've been in the kingdom for a short while or for a long while, however long you've been serving Keep your eyes on Jesus. Friends, don't grow weary and become lazy. Don't transition to retirement. But keep your eyes on Jesus. Remember that he is a good and generous king. Keep your eyes on Jesus and serve him with all your heart. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we consider your goodness to us, So undeserved are we. And yet you call us to be your children. That you call us friend. Lord, may we keep our eyes on you. May we serve with joy and peace knowing who we serve. All we have is, is a gift of your grace and mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you do not repay us according to our iniquities. But you have provided the way for us to come into your vineyard through your Son. Lord, we thank you. We love you. May we keep our eyes on you. And may we serve you with joy all our lives. And Lord, if there's any here that you are calling, Would you give them the ability to come and to share in this blessing that you have for your people? We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.